Alert by Servitor Primus of the Editorium. Due to reallocation of Servitor units to priority tasks, and the Librarian's edict to favour accurate experiential data over the preservation of sensibilities, the Primus issues the following warning. Suboptimal mixing may be present. Extended pauses may be present. Explicit language and profanity may be present. Listeners are advised to apply or seek adult judgment before continuing. Only in death, the secret mission logs of Kill Team Atromatos. Episode 6, Pretty Damn Forgettable. Loyal citizens of the Imperium of Man, heed ye the proclamation of the Administratum as we announce the following factual revision. While any claims made during this episode that the Death Watch role-playing game is out of print were correct at the time of recording, all faithful servants of the Emperor may rejoice that Death Watch has since been returned to availability through the auspices of Ulysses Spieler and his at the time of this pronouncement, now available via drive through RPG. Welcome once again, loyal and dutiful subjects of the Imperium, to our freshly named actual play Death Watch podcast, Only in Death, the secret mission logs of Kill Team Atromatos. So, very quickly, I am Rob Farker, the Game Master for this session, and if we could uh, get some introductions in order of everyone's position on the Mission Vox channel, please. Hopefully Sim has not had to dash off to sort out her microphone, but we will see how we go. Uh, no, I am still here. I am coming to you live from Ryko Arena um, at Warhammer Fest in Coventry. And I will be playing Avalon, who is a, um, I forgot my faction. Am I a Storm Warden? Yes. Yes, I'm a Storm Warden Space Marine um, with a lot of booms in my back pocket. Uh, this is Ian. Uh, I'm playing uh, Brother Gideon Kamael, a Dark Angel Devastator Marine. Hi, my name's Red. I play Gladius Aurelius, the Ultramarine Apothecary. And I am Matthias Vainglory. My name is Scott Doucette. I'm playing Matthias Vainglory, and he is a Blood Angel Assault Marine. And all four of these fine space marines, the Emperor's genetically, biologically, and surgically enhanced super soldiers known as space marines, are the members of Kill Team Atromatos, a special forces unit, as if space marines weren't special forces enough, but still, that is part of the Death Watch, an elite order of alien hunters that goes behind enemy and sometimes even friendly lines to strike at the enemy's weakest places wherever they may be found. So this is session three of our actual play podcast. Of course, therefore, that means we have had sessions one and two 
already. And in those sessions, we actually kicked off our Death Watch campaign as the members of Kill Team Atromatos were inserted by Orbital Drop Pod into the city of Lordsholm on the planet of Avalos in the sector of space known as the Jericho Reach, hotly contested by the Imperium who seek to reclaim it from the depths of vile heresy and the foul influence of chaos. But it has also become a three-fronted battle as the alien races known as the Tau and the Tyranids have joined the fray, looking to claim the Jericho Reach for themselves. So, in last session, the players were inserted into Lord's Home, crashed through the roof of a chapel, and on exiting their drop pod were confronted with a raging battle between the remnants of um, Avalos's planetary defense forces and a massive rebellion that has taken hold on the planet. And thankfully, due to the valiant and ferocious actions of Kill Team Atromatos, the unit of PDF that they encountered was saved from being overrun by the rebellion. The leader of the Planetary Defense Force, uh, whose name is Captain Ascot, took the Marines aside back into the wrecked chapel uh, to... Um, fill them in on the local situation, but right as we finished, the kill team discovered that Captain Ascot was not what he seemed. Uh, once out of sight of the rest of the PDF forces, he underwent a physical change and became um, a very live, uh, stiletto-deadly female instead. Uh, we pick up right at that point. So, after deactivating the beacon that drew you in, uh, Captain Ascot has just turned around in front of you and become, uh, instead of a, uh, a worn male member of the Planetary Defence Forces, uh, a lithe, sleek female who is now stepping toward you. What are you four doing? If I Blinking remember, repeatedly. I think... Yeah, I think I just took my helmet off and uh, said, ah, Officio Assassinorum. Yes, the uh, warrior before you smiles and says, you are indeed correct, my lord, and I am very glad to see the arrival of my master Calistrade's requested death watch. The situation, as I'm sure you can see here, is quite dire. Yes, my brothers and I were outside in the previous battle. Tell me, how long has this been going on for? She looks out of the uh, one of the remaining windows on the chapel and she says, we've been on planet for over six months, but this rebellion only started about a week ago, just after we sent the signal requesting your aid. It seems as though the presence of the gene stealers on the planet realized what we were doing and decided to force our hand. The rebellion started shortly after we left Thorsalt Manor up there on the cliffs. Uh, does the manor still stand? She nods out of the window, and you can see 
You have come down in what is the southeastern part of this city. It's built into a broad, sweeping bay that is filled with... Uh, it's almost a rough version of Venice. From what you can tell, thanks to your augmented senses, uh, it is a city that is broken up by canals. So these uh, islands of buildings fill this bay to choking point almost. And all the way over on the other side, there is a sweeping line of cliffs that sort of springs up from the from the west and reaches out toward the east and atop these cliffs you can see the lights of what looks like compared to the rest of the city anyway uh, a very well tamed very well maintained collection of uh, manses and mansions and just by the cliffs you can see a tall tower that is slightly separate from the rest of the uh, uh, the collection of manners there. What does are, what are look the... of, Does it look defensive or is it ornamental, this tower? It's definitely not a military structure. So it's not a, uh, a watchtower or a fortified position or anything like that. I tell you what, can you folks, if anyone's got it, uh, give me a, uh, a common law Imperium role, please? So you're basically rolling uh, your common law. I think it'll be, if it's trained, it'll be your intelligence minus 1d100. I think pretty much from the looks of things, everyone right, is rolling under their intelligence, I would say. There's some good rolls, yeah. If, if other people are rolling, that's fine. Someone else can talk. I mean, as yeah, long as yeah. one person Making gets Avalon it. Making the leader is not a good idea just between you and me. I, I didn't <laughs> say that. What I'm saying is, if at least one person has succeeded, there's no point in anyone else rolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no she worries. also seems to be the most perceptive of us at the moment. I'm just saying. Mm. And I don't talk very much. What? Uh, yeah, what is I, I also can't find my character sheet. So hang on, hang on. <laughs> so my intelligence <laughs> is 45, so that's. I think that's still only one degree of success with a 27. No worries. Mm -hmm. Well, pretty Minus much... Minus 34. Mm. Although you are not familiar with the civilian aspects of life in the Imperium, you know that, from some experience, that this tower, um, its separation, its height, and its more, perhaps, ornamental rather than practical or military construction, would indicate that it is the local facility for the planetary astropath. So this is where communications from Lord's Holm to the rest of the Imperium are conducted, and it would have been where Inquisitor Calistrati would have gone to summon aid for the Death Watch. I'm going to turn to her and ask flat out, what are the points of interest? What has occurred here thus far? I can tell you what I know, she says. And sadly, what I know is fairly little. As I said, we arrived here six months ago, chasing rumours of a gene-stealer infestation, as well as suggestions that one had taken place on this planet. We landed many kilometres 
to the west of Lordsholm, slowly tracing what we believe to be the infestation's arrival point back toward the city. Normally you would expect a gene-stealer infestation to take generations to manifest, but this one seemed quicker than most, and my lord Inquisitor Calistrati believed that it indicated the presence of a broodlord on planet. Once she was satisfied with, her inf- with the results of her investigation and believed that it would take more resources than uh, we had available to us, she went to Thorsalt Manor and requested an audience with the astropath to send a message out and summon a kill team, and I'm glad to see that her faith in the Death Watch was well placed. Shortly afterward, once we departed, rebellion struck. A good percentage of the PDF rose up in resistance to the local authorities, and what re- most of what remained was summoned back to Thorsholt Manor by Lord, Thor- Lord Thorsholt himself to barricade the city and safeguard it. I believe he thinks that this rebellion will peter itself out, and he doesn't understand its true extent. We attempted to hold the line as best we could, but the captain whom you met a few minutes ago was killed earlier on in the action, out of sight of the rest of his men, and Calistrati ordered me to take his place and hold hold this landing zone as best we could until you arrived and she decided to press the attack to the Broodlord, as I have not seen her since. I would say that the odds are strong that the Xenos have her. Hmm. Well, where there's Broodlords and Tyranids, there's going to be cramped spaces and a lot of fighting. They typically will think in one mind with one purpose in the presence of a Broodlord, and if they know we're here, as you suspect, that could be trouble for us. If you will forgive my temerity, my lords, I believe that there are two priorities for you here now that you are present on planet. The first is to once again reach the astropath and summon the aid of the Imperial fleet. As it stands with the rebellion, with the strength it has, I would say that the arrival of a main Tyranid fleet and tendril of the High Fleet itself is not far away. And the only hope left for Lord's Home is to summon to summon our own fleet to defend the planet. But all that will be for naught if we cannot hold the city itself. With the rebellion of the strength it is, the city is sure to fall by dawn, and our only hope is the elimination of the Broodlord. Seek him out in the city, I should say seek it out in the city, and terminate it with extreme prejudice. Do we have a layout of the city? Or would it be wise for me to take a a leap to the sky and get a lay of the land and see just what we're up against. The assassin to the sky and make it away our position. Mm. A space marine in flight is not a subtle thing. Mm. The assassin kneels and starts drawing in the dust and uh, ash that lines the floor of the chapel at the moment. And again, she pretty much describes a shape uh, like that you have seen, and I am suddenly wishing that I had the forethought to take a photo of the map I'd drawn so that I could basically just send it to you. But um, <laughs> that it's also in kind of like pencil anyway. Yay, preparation! <laughs> I mean, Do I we know? prep the map. The map is prepped, it's just not quite. And it's also sort of in faint pencil, so perhaps even a photo wouldn't work. 
do we know of any enemy strongholds between here and the astropath? Unfortunately, no. We were not able to gain any solid intelligence on where the heart of the rebellion lay or its main concentrations. But, and she stills for a second, and in the distance you can hear this deep thump, thump, thumping noise. From your experience, again, from your battle experience, this one is actually right up your rally kill team. It sounds like siege guns. And she turns to you and says, I believe those are arrayed against the local headquarters of the PDF, which the rebels have not been able to take yet. There are certain assets scattered throughout this city, which if you can recover, they would assist in fighting back the rebellion and leaving the Broodlord as defenseless as possible. So she kneels in the dust and sketches out a rough outline of the city. Again, most of it is concentrated in the cove between the chapel in the southeast and the cliffs in the north. And she makes uh, a note on the cliffs, draws a couple of points and says, This is Thorsalt Manor. You will have to go here in order to get access to the House of Echoes. While it may appear ornamental, the house itself is well defended. You will not be able to gain access to it without Thorsalt's permission or at least uh, his access codes, however you can get them. Where we are is called the Portica District. It is the main concentration of transshipping for Lord's Home. All goods produced here come to Portica and the spaceport for shipment off planet. As you may well know, this planet is an agri-world and has a responsibility to supply the Achilles Crusade here in the Jericho Reach. She then draws a broad circle in the middle. This is the Fabrica district. It's the main concentration of manufacturing and other primary industry in Lord's Home. And we think that the headquarters of the PDF is somewhere in here. She then draws another broad circle further to the west. This is the Callistory district. It's the main residential area. And there are some major forces of the rebellion, we believe, uh, also fighting to take this sector. And you may actually find some further reinforcement from the planetary defence forces there. Can I interrupt for a second and go? Did you mean to say that you think the headquarters of the PDF is in the manufacturing district? Why would you not know where the PDF headquarters would be? No, this is... the. I apologise for any confusion. I meant the I, headquarters of the I rebellion. I think Rob meant the rebels. Okay, good. I was just a bit confused. Carry <laughs> no, on. Good pick up. All right. So, so Rob, just as a quick big headquarters, uh, that's likely to be where the brood, what's it is, and then we've got a few gangs and stuff in the residential area, and all of this is between us here in the chapel and those cliffs over there where we've got to go to get thingy to get into the big tower of, of doom is there anything on the other side on the south side of this um chapel that we should be ducking off to get just quickly before we head north as i said you may want to try and reinforce the local headquarters of the pdf there is also a, a storage area which houses munitions and ammunition and given that uh and she's casts an eye over the drop pod and uh frown frowns a little it seems that you have arrived slightly undersupplied you may wish to secure this as well just to make sure that you do have enough 
arms and ammunition to take the brew lord on by the time you reach it. Ultramarine, I am at best a warrior and not a tactician, and I wouldn't know the best call to make because personally, I want to go where the fighting is. What would you do? So Gladius sort of stops. He's been looking a bit distant during this whole conversation, like his head might have been somewhere else. Uh, but when someone actually speaks to him, he sort of looks around and points at the uh, the warehouse, the storage area. This strikes me as the first place we should go. We cannot take on a large fight until we have some assurance that we can not only supply ourselves, but the PDF. We are but four, even though we are the Emperor's chosen. Devastator. They will also be able to provide us enough of a distraction. Yes. How are you, you on ammunition, You are a warrior, Gideon. not a tactician. Well, if this is going to be a prolonged engagement, it would be well to have copious supplies. They may also have some form of transport we can make use of quickly. Not all of us were capable of bringing abilities to flight with us. Are you aware if there are grenades in the munitions area? Asking for a- Hey, I am uh. standing right here, guys. <laughs> I am sure Brother Alvalon could make sure there were explosives, even if they have no grenades. The assessment is Are you hoping for an answer of yes or no? Yes. It strikes me as what we should do first is, is head to the storage area. Then once we have traveled to the storage area, we strike the manufacturing plants. From that point, we would then be able to stop many of the resupply of the siege machines striking at, the def at our own defenses. From that point, perhaps moving into the residential area, one of the largest issues we have is that gene stealers can reproduce by using fresh bodies. There are we need a lot to of hiding assure. spots. There are. We need to ensure that there are no extra nests that will ambush us on the way past. Yeah, I got a different suggestion. Um, I'm all for grabbing supplies while we've got them. Why are we not going and getting these PDF guys out of hot water? Then we get reinforcements, and then we hit the great big brood mother in this manufacturing district plant. I'm not convinced the PDF forces are worth a great deal of effort. Can you not hear those siege guns? Those are held by the rebels, Brother Avalon. Yeah, but they won't However, be after we've we wiped them, them off and the face them of this to the PDF. Planet. As I said earlier, the PDF, though they are not space marines, have a vast amount of numbers, local knowledge of the area, and a vast amount more gunpowder than we have. I agree with Brother Avalon. We should be helping the PDF before we move on the Patriarch. I moved to high five, um, Brother Gladius. You just get stared at. <laughs> I had the feeling that was coming. Then we will do what we must, but we should do something quickly. 
I agree. And what of you? He looks at the uh, at the assassin. Of me, my resources are at your disposal. I will give you what help I can, but I also need to to keep the PDF from completely collapsing. How are their supplies? Low, but enough for now. But if we can secure Do that you have store, that will at least... What was that? Do you have men available to come with us to these stores? If you must hold this position, then do so. But give any that you have spare so that we may resupply those here and push forwards. She thinks and then nods. I can assign a handful of squads to you, yes. That will suffice. Brother Avalon, do you think you have what it takes? And is it possible to fix the tank outside to help us? Yeah, no, that's that's deader than cactus. Uh, it's not going to be possible to get that going without a whole lot of spare parts, a workshop in a couple of weeks. Sorry. Then I suppose we jog. Always the pessimist. You have not seen the depths of my pessimism, brother. <laughs> and then Gladius starts to walk towards the door. I'll walk out directly after you. Now, just to ask from a game perspective, are you folks choosing a leader and uh, picking an oath for this mission? I'm thinking the Ultramarine. I don't want to be Captain Special. Just hit up leader, just because he's an Ultramarine, yeah, I, and they're perfect. They're perfect in every way. Also, his experience with the Tyranids makes sense. Yeah, I think we did, like, out-of-character chat about this last session. Mm. However, Rob, I am not fully up on the oaths. So while I'm quite happy to take the take point for being the squad leader, um, what kind of oaths are there available? Not just for us, but for the people listening at home who might not have the PDF. Of course. That is the PDF of the game, not the Planetary Defense Force. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of an unfortunate acronym. Pretty damn forgettable. Ethics, but, yeah. Okay, so uh, just to let you folks know, and I will sort of indulge in a little bit of metagaming here, the final, uh, I'm seeing a few low levels just because I'm facing away from the microphone, hopefully you all can hear me fine okay and we'll be able to get it cleared up in the edit, but the final sanction mission basically offers these as objectives, and uh, Death Watch gives you kind of a, a structure that you can hang sessions around, and that is the structure of the mission. And a mission has primary objectives, secondary objectives, and targets of opportunity. And you're all asking after last session whether you gain any experience, and pretty much at least in the book as written anyway... Uh, experience is earned through achieving objectives and uh, targets of opportunity. So the primary objectives for this particular mission are twofold. Kill the Broodlord and send an astropathic, astropathic, astropathic message for help. So you need to find and destroy the Broodlord 
ending his control over his nest and disrupting the efforts of the uprising. And then you must locate and enter the House of Echoes and find the Astropath. Then keep her alive long enough to send a message to nearby Imperial forces for reinforcement. Now, in terms of secondary objectives, uh, if you can locate the Lord Governor Thorsholt, who is a key member of the local imperial infrastructure, and ensure his survival until reinforcements can arrive, uh, it will ensure continued imperial control within Lord's home. And another secondary objective is to help the Planetary Defense Force recapture the city. So these are the main things that will earn you uh, experience points and potentially renown, precious, precious renown, which allows you to requisition ever more fancy equipment from the armory prior to the next mission. So, oh, dude, I know what oath we need. <laughs> I've just been reading. I know what oath we need. Oh, okay. So, and again, just to fill our listeners in at home, prior to commencing a mission, the kill team selects a leader. So there's no specific leader for a kill team on a permanent basis. Uh, at least not in this game is written anyway. That might be a little bit more... Uh, differently defined in the rest of the Warhammer 40,000 lore. But um, anyway, uh, before each mission, the kill team reviews the objectives and selects an appropriate leader who can use his fellowship or the command skill to rally his squad and repair damage to squad cohesion. Uh, also, once during the mission, the leader and any battle brothers within his support range can automatically enter squad mode without the need to make a test. Um, also, the leader has a few duties. If at any point the kill team needs to make a decision on how to proceed with their mission and they cannot reach an accord, the squad leader is basically the tiebreaker. And uh, also, the... Squad leader is the one who pretty much carries the can with regard to the mission. He is the link in the chain of command that ties the squad into the greater Imperial efforts in their theatre of operations. So, um, in the end, uh, while the kill team as a whole is responsible for success or failure, it is the team leader who is placed to ensure uh, that success happens. No pressure. I'm okay with taking point on this. Like I said, you know. All right, then. And you said that um, you've picked out the perfect oath for the mission. Is that an really oath have. that's going to get us a land speeder by any chance? Because I'm going to need one of those in the next couple of missions, just saying. <laughs> for reasons. Uh, can I? My, my suggestion would give you bonuses with a land speeder. You probably use weapon skill to drive over Tyranids, right? <laughs> Hang on, wait. I think that's changing in eighth. Either that or we just strap grenades to the front of it. Or both. 
<laughs> anyway. Improvised reactive armor. So, basically, uh, improvised grenades, a.k.a. Matthias, get on the front of the truck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so essentially, uh, as they walk, um, you know, as they're heading out of the chapel and uh, the assassin is organising the troops to to get a bunch of guys to come with us uh, for resupply, um, Matthias, uh, Gladius will sort of like pull everyone to the side and say, brothers, as is tradition, we must now swear an oath to each other. It is the way that our brothers have done for centuries upon centuries today we fight not against men but against the xenos we fight against those that would hide amongst the ranks of our protectorate we must learn and study and understand for while all of us are not ignorant to the tyranids knowing and being are two completely different things. So swear to me, my brothers, you will listen, but not only that, you will speak when others do not know something. Swear to me this oath of knowledge so that we may fight this foe and destroy it utterly wherever it enters our gaze. Yes, so I swear. Yes, we will. Gideon uh, hesitates and is audibly... Uh, Obviously uncomfortable, but I swear. Okay, cool. Uh, so that will be the Oath of Knowledge, Rob. Mm. Uh, knowledge is power, and on the battlefield, it can mean the difference between anticipating a foe's attacks and being caught off guard. Many battle brothers study the Imperium's foes to learn their strengths and weaknesses so they may better kill them in combat. However, the Imperium's foes are near infinite, and a battle brother's time is not. Uh, so I can take this one because I am an apothecary. Uh, I was pretty much the only member of the team who can take this one. Uh, for those who take the Oath of Knowledge, endeavour to learn all they can of their foes. A kill team which takes this oath may choose a single kind of foe. I choose Tyranids. Uh, <laughs> and for the duration of the mission, all members of the team gain a plus 10 to weapon skill and ballistic skill checks against this chosen enemy with ranged or melee weapons. Nice. <laughs> Chiefly, I figured this would probably be the best combination of stuff to make most use out of our Devastator and our Assault Marine. And mm. also grenades. Mm. It's a bit alright, isn't it? Well, considering that... Hey, plus, um, plus mm. ten's not insignificant. Hell no. I mean, look, let's face it, it means that on full auto, with his heavy bolter, uh, before range gets factored in and the the heavy bolter's short range bracket, which is also a plus 10, is 75 metres. Disregarding that, it means he's rolling 102 or less on a 100-sided die. Yeah. Can somebody it's a... smell, spell magnitude? <laughs> so the, the reason I say Oath of Knowledge, uh, just for the people at home and while we're learning, uh, is because each of the oaths actually has a prerequisite. And as as an apothecary, I'm really limited in stuff that's useful for what we're actually doing. Uh, so I can't see that we're going to need many willpower checks against Tyranids, um, because I don't think we're going to come up against any Zoanthropes, he said, crossing his fingers. <laughs> um, and also the Oath of Loyalty is, I don't think, really applicable, because I don't think we're going to suffer too much from cohesion problems 
because we're not really going to separate out very much. I think it was the best option of the bunch. Unfortunately, Apothecary's not so great for leadership roles. Don't you get oaths from your previous unit as well? Not oaths. That's uh, squad tactics, squad modes. Okay. We do get a few squad mode abilities because of the Oath of Knowledge, which is go to ground, dig in, and strong point, but I haven't actually looked at what those do yet. Mostly I was thinking about the magnitude. It kind of sounds like cower, cower, and hide from here, so not necessarily as excited as the magnitude, yes. All right, then. So it sounds like the next thing we need to do is actually work out what your cohesion is. What is Brother Gladius's fellowship bonus? Four. So plus four. I'm on 41. Okay, then. Uh, however, I think as an ultramarine, I get a bit of a bonus. Hold on. For those of you listening along in the uh, Mission Vox channel, we will be editing these long stretches of silences out during the game. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I can't seem to find it. I can't seem to find it, so that's my bad. Uh, we'll just have to go without. I'm really glad I'm not the only problem that ah, has no, this relationship with that rule book. It is absolutely <laughs> impossible to find anything in a hurry. The layout, I don't understand why it is set out how it's set out. It's, it's confusing. Ooh, sounds like something epic happened in the background there, Sim. Yeah, someone's knocked over a bin. We have got lots of our <laughs> guards walking around, so I'm going to be a bit cagey okay. about yelling out death, murder, destruction, if that's okay with everybody else. Yeah, uh, considering recent events... I think that makes in, sense. Yeah, especially considering recent events in the UK, absolutely understandable. And, you know, you're in a, a, a public place with... Um, uh, not at the moment many people around, but still, yeah, you can understand why folks might be a little bit twitchy right at the moment. Um, oh, there is. I mean, I can see can I... ten people. Oh, actually, let me turn you a picture. I'll send you a picture. Hang on. Ooh, okay. Um, by the way... Can I, can I oh, suggest, sorry. Sim, if you need to say that you're attacking something, just to say, I use my torch to light up the enemy? <laughs> She's just left the chat. Yeah. Uh, Damn okay. it. Uh, so I did actually find the thing I was looking for, by the way. Favoured um, son? As a favoured son. Mm. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, basically, I get to have a plus one. I get Our cohesion gets a plus one bonus because I'm the leader. Okay. Uh, and I get to re-roll fellowship rolls with Marines and Imperial Guard. Ah, fantastic. That's a bonus, at least. All did right you hear then. what I said about the torches, uh, Sim? No, I accidentally disconnected myself because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Uh, so what I said is if you need to say that you're shooting someone maybe just uh, say that you use your torch to light up the enemy <laughs> um, yeah I yeah, I will see how we go and um, this may turn uh, into a commentary of uh, Stitchcraft possibly knitting very quickly just saying uh. <laughs> fair enough I'm pretty good with euphemisms, and I'm relatively sure people are going to know what I'm saying. And um, let's hope we get an episode title out of something. I like your. All right, cool. So, what do we need to do now, Rob? With hope. All right. Well, you've uh, made your oath. Uh, as squad leader, you are going to need to note somewhere the squad's cohesion 
which is five. So I had a quick look over the cohesion table uh, just now, and pretty much the only bonuses to cohesion outside of Favoured Sun come from... Actually, do you have the command skill at all? Uh, <laughs> it would have That's had to have been one of your experience point picks because it's not a, uh, it's not one of the standard slate that I've got it as a basic, but not trained. No, everyone gets it a basic. Ah, that's right, they do too. Okay, um, I'm pretty sure you would get another plus one if you had trained in it. Okay, well, trained in it. I've just got the the basic thing that everyone gets. Yeah. So. So what now? Do I need to make a roll, or do we just get a basic number? Uh, you basically, it's a five that you start with. Okay, sweet. I shall amend my note, which I've put on the uh, mission comms, just so everyone can see. Mm. Except for the people listening. <laughs> yeah. So having taken your oath, you turn back to the gathered planetary defense force troops and uh, the city spread out before you, which night having fallen pretty much within the last hour, it would be almost entirely uh, clothed in darkness for the local power appears to be completely out, except for, of course, the mansions up on the cliff. Uh, but there are also several fires raging throughout the city, which even the rain falling at the moment seems powerless to quench. The uh, assassin, now back in her guise as Captain Ascot, has uh, you know, gone to the, uh, the local sergeants of the PDF forces, uh, spoken with them. Uh, there have been nods and then shouts as uh, the sergeant, some of the sergeants muster some of their troops together and they gather around you and Captain Escote says, I don't want to say men because, um, of course, we're trying to uh, keep things a little bit more gender neutral, but troops and soldiers sounds a bit more, uh, a little bit more impersonal, but still. Um, although I've got to admit, I've been doing a great job with gender neutrality lately with my he's and she's, but anyway, I'll get there eventually. And she says, troops have an honour bestowed on you that very, very few citizens of the Imperium will ever experience in a hundred lifetimes. You have been assigned to serve the Emperor's very angels of death. This squad of space marines, as they do the Emperor's work here on Lord's Home. You will follow their orders without question and without hesitation. For their orders are the will of the Emperor himself. And you will serve with a glad heart and a ferocious tenacity. I envy you your opportunity. Serve well. And may the enemy burn in the Emperor's name. And the troops, there's, there's just sort of a, a brief second of hesitation from these squads as it kind of sinks in what's going on as they look from Captain Escote to your four looming armoured forms. And I'm assuming that at the moment only the one of you, perhaps, still has their helmet off? I've got mine off. I think everyone yeah. did at the end of the session. 
Yeah, I took mine off as well. Yeah. So I mean, at least him. they can... Get him off his on. Yes, uh, the uh, red lens is sort of faintly glowing and glowering from beneath your robe's hood, looking very intimidating. I mean, you wouldn't think a space marine could look any more intimidating than it does, especially uh, uh, in a, a suit of power armor that is mostly black. But add to that the fact that you've got this hood over you and you're sort of, you know, looking out from under it. It's just sort of doubles the uh, uh, the scare factor, or at least it probably would if you weren't standing next to um, Matthias's uh, armour of attitude and um, Avalon's spiky nightmare. Uh, I do also have they, the biggest gun. Well, that, yes, that is a very good point. You do indeed have the biggest gun. But yeah, as they just sort of, there is this pause as they kind of take it all in, and that all of a sudden there are fists in the air, some of them um, uh, still with their LAS rifles in them, as this cheer erupts. It kind of spreads out to the rest of the PDF as well, uh, as even though they, uh, even those who don't um, have this honor bestowed on them, uh, suddenly discover a hope and uh, perhaps uh, a new f a source of energy that's been missing from them for the past week since this rebellion erupted. And you can see them now as they uh, disperse and uh, ready themselves to muster out. There's um, a little bit more enthusiasm than you did notice earlier on when you just arrived in the thick of the battle. Sweet. Well, uh, ever the loquacious one, Gladius will look at them and then just put his helmet on and turn around and start walking south. All right, then. Um, uh, as you basically... I believe the team follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, right as you do that, there is this sergeant who sort of uh, takes a, a step in your general direction and just sort of says, uh, uh, says, my lord, um, my lord, I'm Sergeant Charles and I will be liaising with you as you... It's basically sort of watching as you walk past him and keep moving. Um so what are the rest of you doing? Are you pretty much... Uh, what are you doing? I want, to, I want to approach the sergeant and just say, don't judge him from this meeting alone. He's actually a really nice guy. <laughs> and and just continue walking off following Gladius. Yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't wearing my helmet, I'd be frowning at you so hard. <laughs> I know. Actually, the helmets look... Oh, no, mine doesn't. I don't have the weird uh, U-shaped helmet that always looks like it's frowning. I've got a beaky helmet, and I... Yeah. You're beaky. Mm. I can only give pointed looks. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he'll be here all week. Try the Emperor's veal. Get it? Because it's like the Emperor's zeal. <laughs> Um, can I get a sound check because I've managed to disable my headphones because I'm an idiot? Can you guys hear me? <laughs> yes, we you sound good. Yeah. Can you hear I, us? I thought she said sound check after hearing those puns. Uh, yeah, no, I just... Sound um, I've got... Uh, James has just turned up to listen, so I've put the audio on speaker, but in doing that, I have managed to 
have Windows not be able to see my speakers, uh, sorry, be able to see my headphones at all. So I'm now using my laptop speakers and microphone. So everybody here can now hear you. Good luck. Fantastic. Well, yep, hello, James, and, and everybody listening in at Warhammer Fest. I take it as it's, what, 11 o'clock at night where you guys are, pretty much? Yeah, pretty much. But it is a Friday night, so it's rocking in Coventry. Oh, fantastic. I've got to admit, it sounds kind of, um, and maybe that's just because the echo of my voice coming through my own headphones, it sounds kind of uh, quiet from this end, so... What I tell you, if we can take a very quick diversion, tell us a little bit about what things are like right there where you are in Warhammer Fest, you lucky, lucky woman, you being in the UK and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Well, the, um, the staff parked me up here on the bridge on level one that overlooks the main atrium um, where everyone's going to enter tomorrow. Um which is quite interesting. They've got a lot of security on at the moment because of the terror attack that happened a couple of days ago in Manchester. So there'll be bag searches this weekend, um, which will hopefully not slow in entry too much. Uh, I'm staying actually on site in the Doubletree Hotel here, um, which makes that a little bit easier. Um, and, of course, I'm here with my husband, who does not do uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. So I thought I might take myself out of the way um, nicely. I've not done my usual try to sneak into everywhere the night before because no one has a massive sense of humour when it comes to that right now. And I don't want to get kicked out and banned. Um, but I have been able to sort of peer through some doors and, and look at things that are getting set up which is really interesting. Um, and I've met a couple of the social media team in the bar when we're having dinner, which is nice. But everybody seems to be just genuinely relieved and relaxed to be here and also very happy to get into the air conditioning and, and out of the heat because it is absolutely bloody hot here in uh, in England at the moment. You'll never guess the temperature, Rob. Have a guess at what blisteringly hot is here. Well, having called my Aunt Heather last night in... Um who lives in Manchester, funnily enough. Um, she's not, of course, she's not an Ariana Grande fan, so no, she wasn't anywhere near the concert. But um, uh, I am guessing that it's a uh, a very balmy, quite uncomfortable 23 degrees, maybe? Oh, not quite. It was 27 today here in Coventry. My God, that's in, that's a heat wave. For for the UK, that's that is pretty blistering. Yes, yeah, so everybody has been bright red and sweltering. So, so Rob, it being winter there in Cairns, what what temperature did it get to today? Well, considering it's still only eight o'clock in the morning, the uh, the temperature has yet to get anywhere. But I think it got to um, something like about. Maybe twenty seven, because things are cooling off as we head to you know the last, uh, the last third of autumn as we head toward winter. You know, it's it's to the point where you kind of have to maybe contemplate putting a jumper on. Maybe. Yeah, putting a jumper on at twenty seven is, is an Australian contemplation. Um, yeah, people here the second it goes over sort of fourteen, they're in shirt sleeves and and. The second it hits mid twenties, the shorts and sandals are out. It's on. 
I'm just glad you said jumper yeah. and not romper. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's your, your, if your winter temperature is in the high 20s, Scott, what was it where you are today? I don't know the Fahrenheit. I only know the Celsius. Oh, we're all talking Celsius. Oh, that was oh, all Celsius. That yeah. was Fahrenheit. That would be below freezing. Oh, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I don't keep an eye on the weather, but she didn't get too warm here yet. Yeah. yeah this is, you know, the end of May, and here it got to may might have gotten to ten degrees. Oh, I still have I still have snow up at my folks' place. That's what we put. Yeah, I imagine every year. Yeah, look, here in Cairns, we would expect even in winter, uh, the temperature would maybe of an evening drop to the low teens and not much, you know, that would be about it. Um, it does get a bit more chilly further down south, but um, yeah, benefits of living in the tropics. A jumper at 27 degrees. Well, well, you know, it gets a bit lower later on. 27 degrees, no, is definitely not jumper weather, no. But, you know, early after... Uh, you know, no judgment, evening. man. A little bit of a nip. A little bit of a nip. No judgment. We know you got a birthday coming up. You're not getting any younger. Oh, cool. no, 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 I'm not. Uh, anyway, um, enough of those digressions, I suppose. As much as we would love to still glory about you being a Warhammer Fest, you've got. And hello, James, by the way, and anyone else who is there uh, listening in over some speakers. Uh, you're not here to hear us talk about you guys. You're here to listen to us kick on with Only in Death and uh, these four fine people getting to play Space Marines. So, uh, you guys proceed uh, across the graveyard, which uh, only scant minutes before was a pitched battlefield, stepping over the remains of both Planetary Defense Force troops and rebels alike, uh, who in... uh, in the way of war, uh, become a little bit harder to distinguish uh, in death, and um, proceed into the uh, Portica district itself. And if there's one thing that strikes you about this city, uh, it's a hovel. Whatever it was before the rebellion took hold, it wasn't really all that much better than what it is now, even for uh, the bitter wreckage and the fires. It's... You have seen many battlefields and many worlds across the Imperium, and uh, the... You have seen Imperial citizens with much worse lots. Uh, the citizens of Hive Worlds, the citizens of Death Worlds. But given that this is an Agri world, and even though you are Space Marines, there is part of you that would expect that this place would have been a little bit better for its people than your eyes tell you it actually was, again, even before the rebellion set in. There is a, a sense of wear and perhaps malaise that... Uh, even though this rebellion was caused by the foul Xenos, it found, perhaps found, fertile ground to take root in, in the first place. So, uh, as you and uh, your surrounding squads move out 
through the city, uh, you do hear noise up ahead and uh, to your left, pretty much to the northwest. Um, you can hear what seems like a gathering of people um, somewhere close by. And uh, you estimate that uh, you would probably be able to make your way past it with a little problem, except uh, you spot this small cluster of people. It looks like an adult and maybe three or four children picking their way uh, through this through the wreckage, um, trying to keep their heads down, of course, uh, very close to a large warehouse structure and kind of uh, as you uh, catch sight of them, you see the adult reach a door in this structure, open it up and uh, motion the smaller ones in. Uh, they appear to be children. And as you catch sight of this, uh, one of your planetary defense force, I have to use the full term, I can't say PDF anymore, I'm sorry folks, um, one of your planetary defense force squads starts and gasps and they say, oh no, Stephen, Alexia, what are they doing out here? And sort of breaks from her squad and tries to head toward this building. Oh, that's unexpected. And the sergeant of the squad does nothing? Ah. Well, what's the rest of the squad doing? Okay. Uh, the I don't want to have to step in and punish yeah. someone. Good point. Um, so yes, the rest of the squad, uh, uh, the sergeant sort of looks up and motions frantically, and um, a couple of the rest of the squad members pretty much br uh, also break and grab this, um, uh, and again, call squad mate, and um, hold them back. And uh, the squad mate who sort of broke is, is struggling and said, Damn it, let me go. I made a promise. I made a promise, damn it. Let me go. I'd like to walk over to that soldier and ask what the meaning of all this is. She na naturally stops struggling as um, uh, as you step over and you're uh, uh, the aura of menace and intimidation that exudes from your powered armor just pretty much for a second kind of um, uh, overwhelms uh, the trooper. Uh, her mouth wo uh, works for a second and then uh, says, uh, they're my neighbor's children. Before the... I thought they would be safe. Before, uh, when things broke out, I promised that we'd be able to hold the sector and keep them... Uh, and keep them safe from harm. The um, their mother and father they were part of the part of the main force that got recalled to the manor. I don't know what they're doing out here. They shouldn't be out here. And that's that looks like the that looks like the next uh, the neighbor on the other side. Uh, William, he's been acting acting really odd for weeks. I, I promised I'd look after them. We need I need to go and get them back. This is wrong. This is very wrong. They shouldn't be out here. Brother Gladius, what would you have her do? And on that note, fair, gentle, and loyal listeners, I think it's a good time 
to wrap this episode up. It wound up going for around about two and a quarter hours, so I've been looking for a place to maybe break things up a little so that you don't have a whopping great chunk of episode to listen to all at once. And certainly this seems like a great little cliffhanger to uh, keep you guys keen to come back next week and find out what happens. Thank you very much for listening. There will indeed be another couple of episodes of this season one of Only in Death before we look at putting out a new season in 2018, and I will speak a little bit more of that in the final episode of this particular season. In the meantime, may the Emperor's grace be upon you. The Administratum wishes to offer its thanks to all loyal subjects of the Imperium for listening to this podcast whilst at toil in devotional service to the Emperor. The Administratum mandates that you subscribe to and or follow the High Lords of Terror who created and starred in this episode. You can find the official Twitter account for Only in Death at DeathwatchPodRP. That is DeathwatchPodRP. All one word, mind you. All one word. Rob Farker is on Twitter. Twitch, Instagram, and other such venues as by Rob F. Scott Doucette is on Twitter and other such venues as Podcast underscore Bay. And his podcast, Podcast Bay, can be found at www.podcastbay.net. Sim Lauren is on Twitter and other such venues as Painty Sim and on YouTube as Sim Lauren. Ian Ketch Sinclair is on Twitter as Five Star Dad. And Rebel Wolf is on Blogspot at Fort Wynn. That's Fort W-Y-N-N.blogspot.com. Should you wish to partake in the creation of your own adventures of secret space marine action, the Administratum wishes to remind loyal subjects that they can purchase the Death Watch Core rulebook and all supplements in PDF format via DriveThruRPG. The Administratum also mandates that all loyal subjects visit the website www.ulyssesus, that is Uniform, Lima, Indigo, Sierra, Sierra, Echo, Sierra, hyphen, Uniform, Sierra, dot com, and subscribe to their newsletter for their new addition to the Warhammer 40,000 roleplay line, Wrath and Glory! The Administratum now terminates this episode with this thought for the day. A mind without purpose will wander in dark places, as will an indoctrinative orator of the Administratum when none of the light bulbs work. It's been six days in this blasted office with no windows, and I've been looking into desks with only the light of the screen of this recording cube. How many servitors does it take to change a light bulb? None, when they've all been reassigned to priority tasks. Of course, I have no doubt Eustace is of being of no assistance. I haven't seen him in... Ah! Eustace! 
Where have you been and why are you dressed in a tyrannid warrior costume? Oh, yes, very funny, scaring old brother Semperi for dailies like that. I'm sure you're fishing for compliments on the detail. Burn ridges, slime, right down to the corpse of yourself hanging from the scythe arm. Oh, dear.